I just love the idea of everybody being like, oh, I'm so tired of like all the unethical shit going on at Twitter, blah, blah, blah. If only there was a, if only there was a competitor. Oh, thank you, Facebook, for providing <laughs> me with an alternative. It's like, what is, I mean, come there's, on. Just, there's a variety of things. Yeah, there's still other problems there, sure. But I think as far as hitting that downfall stuff we talked about last week, it's pretty great. Pretty but but what, I mean, ultimately, I think to me what this says is like, what people really want is just a reliable product. Yeah, maybe it's covered in Nazis and stuff, <laughs> but like, that's true everywhere. Scotch Hey everybody, welcome to episode 423 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I do various things. I'm Sam and I'm the artist. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today's July 7th, 20 Jubilee. Before we get started, we have a warning there's going to be profanity on this show. So get ready for that. It's going to be great. Uh, we'd also like to thank our recurring supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Thank you so much for letting us grab your money to keep our mic tubes full of quarters. Yeah. Okay. All right. We got lots of stuff. Lots of stuff is going on. Let's go. Uh, not even necessary. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on inside the studio, which we'll talk about probably next week. But there's too much other stuff going on, and we just don't have time. So let's... Let's just burn down the list. All right. So for starters, it was 4th of July this past weekend, which yeah. here in the U.S. is, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, it's just go outside and blow your hand off and grill a, a hot dog and uh, and yep. I think yep. those are the two it's, customs it's that we have. Fuck, yeah, fuck up <laughs> yep. the environment with explosives and scare all the animals and, you know, it's, it's great. It's Kill just, an animal, blow your hand off, the fill gotta, the air with you smoke. You have to do it <laughs> in that order, though, because it's very hard yeah, to yeah. make a hot dog if you don't have a hand. Yeah, yeah, especially, I mean, if you just lost a hand. I imagine if you don't have a hand and you haven't had a hand for a long yeah, time. If you have a fr- yeah, if you have a freshly blown apart hand, yeah, yeah. It's, grilling is super hard. Very challenging. But it is useful to already have the gill running so you can cauterize the stump. That know? is yes. true. Although, Which is why, you know, this is why these things go together. So, that's right. But although mm-hmm. you probably just, uh, I'm not a medical doctor, so this isn't medical advice. But if you do blow your hand off, I'm not sure if it's a good idea to cauterize the wound because the surgeons might be able to do some repair if you don't true. cauterize it That's first. True. But if you're bleeding to death, you should probably cauterize that shit. Yeah, stay ahead of it, you know? Stay ahead T- of it. Pop some yeah. ibuprofen, gr- grill that, grill that, uh, grill that stump, yep. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So, so because it's 4th of July weekend, we always do a, a long weekend on 4th of July so that, you know, people in the studio can go and, you know, blow their go off. visit family, blow their limbs off, you know, whatever it is they want to do. Uh, and so I went uh, up to visit Sam in Connecticut to see the to see the fresh baby, which was great and really weird to see her <laughs> to see her neurons forming in real time as she's learning how to grab stuff. Yeah, yeah. What's your uh, What's your hot take on? Uh, I guess on yeah on, on baby on parenting. You know, it's now weird because. Because it it makes it, it reminds me of all the talk we have about large language models with their training sets, you know, mm. where it's like they just need a huge volume of data before they can do anything. And people are like, well, you know, humans don't have that problem because they can they can draw inferences. I'm like, yeah, but you're talking about like a 30 year old human who's mm-hmm. been training you're talking about data. gpt4 you know what i mean oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, think yeah. About it, like the, the fire hose of data that's coming in through your sensory inputs exactly you know, like the amount of the amount of inputs that it takes uh to develop a human brain is just continuous non-stop for years yeah. i mean think about know? just like to put it into perspective right you're if you're watching an hd movie right which is still lower pixel density than you can actually you know see mm-hmm. and also you see your whole periphery at the same time right you're mm-hmm. talking like gigabytes per what second minute I don't per know, second yeah. it's gigabytes of just just to represent this tiny fraction of information that you can process and all the while you're also processing temperature and where you are in space and you're also thinking about things like there's a million mm-hmm. and you're, you're generating your own internalized training set as well just by doing random combinations of the stuff that's already in there you know like yeah and then your brain also has to decide what actually matters you know what to throw away what to kind of compress down into a memory nugget that you can kind of call back on later you know there's all the, there's all this really complicated stuff and you, you kind of take for granted there's stuff that you do every day like you you know you get out of bed and you're like go brush your teeth like that that's a that's a sequence of steps that requires just a fuckload of planning and 
awareness of your environment and motor skills and like all of this stuff. Every once in a while, I become aware uh, when I'm washing my hands, you know, and and I just like watch what's happening and I realize that I'm not really doing it. It's just my hands. My hands are just <laughs> they're just washing each other, you know, but they're well, like but there's a time this, where you this delicate where you dance where they're just like they're based mm-hmm. on like position and feel and stuff. They're just like hitting, making sure. And like I'm not even doing that. Right. But the sheer yeah, amount a, of orchestration that's happening to make or happen just holding your body up in a yeah. sit, even in a sitting position, apparently requires a lot of orchestration. <laughs> Tons, tons of muscles. muscles, you know, and so you, so you kind of, it's weird because like watching, you know, watching uh, Maeva learning how to just grab a thing and mm-hmm. like pull it closer to her face. Like that's, you know, it's, it's a, it's boring. Like it's a boring thing to do mm-hmm. because we're so used to the, the idea of it that we don't recognize how amazing it is. So mm-hmm. it, like that was kind of the weird contradiction that I felt kind of like seeing spending the weekend with this four-month-old baby and seeing her like making these groundbreaking steps toward being able to do the most mundane, boring things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like this juxtaposition of, wow, that actually is really complicated, yeah. but also <laughs> right, like yeah. it's, it's boring. It's boring <laughs> and really fascinating at the same time. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's like simultaneously she's developing like incredibly fast, but also not nearly fast enough, <laughs> right, you know, right. to, to be like interesting to watch like in the moment, but then like in the longer term, as you see these milestones yeah, we, come We refer out, to it as know? Mava TV, which is like, it's just an, it, for some reason you could just kind of watch her do stuff because it's weird. It's just yeah, weird. you're kind of like internally lot, weird. You yeah, know? you're yeah. like cheering for her to like, oh, is she gonna mm-hmm. be able to like? Is she gonna be able to figure oh, out how thing. to like, yeah. yeah, or make a make a certain sound, or, you know? And it's like, no, but like maybe in a month, right? So like, mm-hmm. she needs to build up her training. Her well, training. We talk about set, that with uh, you know, part of the the reason they suggest reading to babies, even when they can't like, remote, they're hardly even paying attention, you know, looking around, whatever else. Is actually just because of that large data set problem. Yeah, so you're you yeah, you, you just cramming it's also, stuff yeah, into But you're brain. also sending like very well patterned, well structured data, right? Because in the same with a large language model, like it's you can train them up way faster if you're already providing well structured, highly patterned data in the first place. You know, just that's that's why code works so well with mm-hmm. large language models, right? And like and code to get it, like large language models do a better job with code than they do of natural language, although they do, you know, a good job with both. But it's the same deal there, right? Like if you're mm-hmm. just reading, because now also because your speaking language is different than you know written language, right? Mm-hmm. And it's actually less structured. There's it's less, uh, it's more redundant, right? Than when, like spoken languages than written language, mm-hmm. and so the pattern is actually harder to detect. So yeah, I mean it makes sense that just providing yeah, some like even, context where there's like consistent structured information coming in is good. Yeah, they're like even yeah. if it's an extra hundred words a day, you know, after a year, that that's a lot. It's a lot of extra data. Yeah. For a little baby brain, you know, to absorb. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. Cool. So it's it was it was cool. It was very it was weird. It was very interesting yeah. to to watch. You know, I'm, and I'm excited to kind of. I'm. A, it's ex- interesting to just think like I'm going to have a conversation with this person at some point. Yeah, weird. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. she like right she'll now, be a person at some point. Yeah, right now she's like just like rolling around and being like, like that's kind of the extent <laughs> of it. You know, <laughs> oh, it's kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, so while we were while we were in Connecticut, and there was this big storm in. St. Louis. I assume it was big because like 60,000 homes got their power <laughs> knocked out, including very my- windy. Like it was, yeah. it was, I was on the third because my office is on the third floor. So I came up to shut everything down once it started because I was, you know, make sure I wouldn't lose my computer and stuff. And so I'm in a brick house, like a really old brick house. And brick houses sway a bit. Like that's part of their design, oh. you know, right? And oh, so yeah, I could yeah. just kind of, I could just feel the wind, you know, and I'm looking out the window and it's just, horizontal like water <laughs> like water sheet right just like flying like past hold a big hose yeah shooting at you yeah it was pretty and we were we also got kind of the weakest hit of the city it kind of sounds like so it was it was intense. yeah i think i think it kind of died down a bit as it as it traveled east um yeah and so so apparently then our house had its power knocked out at like 3 p.m on saturday or something like that um and so we're getting so we're over in connecticut we're like oh yeah that's great like good time to be away Mm-hmm. You know, sure, we'll be back by the time we get back. We're yeah, and like, days. and you know, power goes out during storms from time to time, and it's usually like up within a couple of hours or something like that, mm-hmm. um, at at most. And so we're like, oh, well, haha, you know, we would allow had no power for a few hours. It's nice that we're it's nice that we're in Connecticut, and then uh, <laughs> the next day, you know, no no message from the power company. So we start texting. There's a little text line where we can 
just test text for the status of it. Um, and they're just like, yeah, still no power. We don't know when it's going to be back. And we're like, oh, dang. And then like Monday <laughs> rolls around and we and it's time for us to go get on our flight and, and come back. And we text them. They're like, yep, still no power. We're like, shit. Like, are we, <laughs> we going to be coming home to a just like a hot, a hot house that's yep. just everything's baked, you know? Um, and then uh, got home and sure enough, still no power. So Fuck. we, you know, we go get a hotel and then uh, we're like, oh man, like what if the power comes back? Like right as we get the hotel, ha ha. It, it didn't, you know, we got the hotel <laughs> and then uh, next day we're like, okay, well still no power. And then they said, we don't expect to have your power back today either. So this is now going on day four. Um, so we go just hang out at Adam's place and uh, for, the, for the afternoon and then, you know, 7 PM rolls around and we're like, well, you know, still no word. So text, text the power company and they're like, yep, no, we don't have any plans on getting your power back tonight either. So we're like, fuck. So we go, we book a hotel uh, and we get, and we go over to the hotel and then we get there, we put our key in the, in the thing, we step foot into the room and then we get a text and they're like, hey, your power's back. <laughs> <laughs> so then Sam and I look at each other like, well, I mean, we paid for the hotel, but also like, we don't, I want to sleep in my own fucking bed. Yeah, <laughs> if you had used five the room days, at all, I feel like they'd be fine. Did they give you a refund? Did you were you able to get out of there? No, we just we just checked out and, and left. Like, we're just like, I don't I don't want to spend the next twenty minutes arguing about a refund. I just want to get the hell out of here. Sunk cost. Just yep, put yep. it put it in the past. Uh, yeah. So so uh, and apparently uh, Jordan, our lead QA. QA lead, uh, he had lost his power and didn't get it back until yeah. the following day in yeah. the afternoon. So for us, it was 77 hours power outage. For him, it was like another- uh, Like 90, 90 hours. Yeah, another like, another like 18 tacked on top Jeez. of that or something. So. Yeah, and it was, of course, 95 degrees here the whole time. So. It's hot. Uh, That's yeah, the longest like, outage I've heard of in St. Louis. Just sort of- Yeah. I think it was just it was, because like, it's kind of like how we how winters are here versus like the South, right? Where it's like, we're so used to winter that there's- there's mechanisms that are ready to like go clear the roads really fast. Like everything's ready for that. And I, th and I, I would, and I agree that like power outages are actually surprisingly infrequent given the weather mm -hmm. sort of chaos. A lot of thunderstorms, but, right? but yeah, they're usually, they're usually cleaned up pretty quickly um, because they're actually still like you specifically don't have the high, like high, of likely getting hit, but like in St. Louis, every time there's a storm, basically something's getting knocked Somebody's out. Somebody's losing power. So, yeah. So they're pretty good at, at doing it, but I think it was just the sheer volume. So I think Seth, you were you were saying the numbers that Ameren is the company here, but that, that Ameren was reporting for like the number of people without power, and it was like didn't it start at like sixty thousand or something? It was like sixty thousand homes, and then yeah, homes, and then it not was people, like, right? Yeah, yeah and like just in our little area it was two thousand. But then the thing is, like, uh, you know, they they need to triage, right? Yeah. They'll, they'll they'll go and they'll they repair stuff, you know, yeah, upstream. That's gonna if there's like one uh, node on the grid that's like affecting ten homes then they're going to prioritize that over like one home, right? Yeah. And so the problem and they're is- They're also probably going to prioritize like things like hospitals and grocery stores. Although a lot of yeah, us want backup power too. Industries but, first, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so, so ours was just such that like there's a transformer that's hooked up to three houses. Oh no. And, and that, that, tra <laughs> that transformer blew. It's so and, small. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's like, and it's like 20 yards from my house. Right. And so it's like, uh, it's just this tiny little localized outage. Yeah, you're also in that weird, like, like unincorporated township thing or whatever, where things tend to fall through the cracks yeah. when people are supposed to be fixing things. Yeah. I don't live in a, I, I don't live anywhere. I live yeah. in a, <laughs> I live in like a, an empty in spot. Well, it's not empty, but like, like on the, the border map of like all the different townships and stuff and St. Louis, there's just this kind of hole in between several of them where they come together, but they none of them ever extended to fill the hole. Void town. So, Does that mean you could just click? Yeah. Do you, can you just like become the mayor of the void? Oh yeah, it's no man's land. You know, there's no laws here. Uh, you, could, you could kill a man, and nobody will blink an eye. It's yeah, just natural land. Yeah, you could walk your dog without a leash. You oh, could commit crazy. murder, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that was, man, what a, what a trip that was. It really made, I mean, it makes you appreciate a lot of things, but it also makes you <laughs> yeah. think, it also makes you think, wow, you know, we're, we're just like one week without power away from being in the fucking stone age, you know? Like, oh yeah. You can't do it. And, and the deeper we go into a, a technologically enhanced, enhanced lifestyle, the more of an impact power outages have, right? Because like, what what would happen if if 
just all across the entire country. Like two There weeks, was no power for like even a week. All the food in the grocery stores would spoil, you know, especially as we transitioned to like electric cars, people wouldn't be able to charge <laughs> no, their shit no. and get around anymore. Everybody's phones would die. Nobody would know how to go anywhere because like we all use Google Maps and stuff. And if we can't charge our phones, then like how do we navigate? <laughs> like it, the whole thing just kind of collapses. So as we were, as, as Sampy and I were going out, we're like, a big reason, like we, like we could have slept in the basement of our, like it was cooler in the basement of our house. And like, we could have slept there, but we couldn't charge our phones. Mm. Right. And we're like, well, if we can't charge our phones, then we can't like, we don't know. We don't have people's numbers memorized. We also don't have a landline. Right. So like that wouldn't have mattered anyway. You wouldn't be able to get uh, alerts from the power company about any time. Yeah. No, no or, texting, you know, no yeah. alerts, like your entertainment's on your phone and many, like the whole, like the whole thing is just, you got to be able to plug in somewhere. <laughs> yeah. or it's like, it's like a, you got to, you got to hydrate, you know, yep. <laughs> uh, it's very strange. Uh, yeah. So then uh, also steam summer sales going on. So yeah, yeah. Crashlands uh, up for cheap. Is it still on when this goes live? Uh, yeah, it's good. So maybe. It's pretty, or maybe it's like, it's, two like it's a two week sale. Yeah. It, it, I think it's still gone. Yeah. yeah. Should be. Uh, yeah, so we're doing a steep discount for Crashlands and Levelhead. Right? They're both and basically Levelhead. free. Yeah, basically free. They're uh, it's literally got, like they're three bucks or something, or three dollars and five dollars or whatever. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's a that's a steal at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, yeah, so we're trying to we're kind of using that to uh, to activate or not activate, but like to uh, to generate more wish lists for Crashlands too as well. So we got a little. That's been going really well. Yeah. Yes, we, we added a little slug to the uh, the main menu of Crashlands on Steam that then links you over to the Crashlands 2 Steam page to kind of let, make sure people know that it's there. And on the store um, page of Crashlands to Crashlands 2. So just like yeah. really shooting that cross promo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we're trying to think, you know, we, we got a long we got a long road ahead in terms of building up wish lists and hype and stuff. And so we're, we're thinking of everything possible, even stuff like – Oh, we got this summer sale for Crashlands. Like, can we use that fact to make wish lists appear for Crashlands too? Like, everything that we're doing is, you know, just keep finding Push ways to hook it, hook it back in. Um, but also, as part of the Steam summer sale, the Steam Deck is on discount. This is basically for those who aren't aware. It's essentially a Switch, but way more powerful. And it's hooked up to your Steam library, so you can buy your games again. You just got yeah. it. Yeah, it's a Switch Over for PC Switch. gamers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which like when I when I first got the Switch, I had kind of two. Two complaints. One is it's a pretty weak device, you know, yes. but like it's cheap. So that makes sense. Yep. And it's like six, seven years old at this point too. So like it wasn't that strong of a device at that time. It sure uh, as hell isn't now. It definitely isn't <laughs> now. Uh, it's like a 10-year-old Android phone in terms of its like CPU power. Yeah, I think the um, thing that's most incredible about a TOTK, Tears of the Kingdom, the new Zelda, mm-hmm. is Zelda. that it runs on the fucking Switch. Like, yeah, I can't the believe amount of engineering <laughs> skill. And I think, I think to Nintendo's credit, like this is one of the most impressive things about that company always is that their engineering, like, and programming capabilities mm-hmm. are fucking wild because they're always like, how do we get the most out of the cheapest hardware we can sell, right? Yep. And like, they're remarkably good at it. Very impressive. Yeah, and, and it's a, it's super expensive to to optimize and engineer a game to the point where you can do that yeah. on a switch. Yeah. You know, um, and I think the other kind of challenging part, you know, kind of we found is like if you go that hard in the paint to get your game to run on the switch, uh, you you might have been able to just forego all that expense and just not launch it on the switch. Mm-hmm. You know, as an indie developer, especially right? and, and potentially days, come like- out. Come yeah. out fine, you know. Yeah, that market uh, is of course, so saturated and has no discoverability issues. Yeah, it's, it's very saturated, and and mostly first party games get promoted the most, right? And so you're kind of like that further down the list. And are they talking about a new switch? Is not a. I th- I can't remember if they announced it. Did they? I saw some. I didn't see any first party announcements, but I heard some talk recently about There's it been talk because for a while about Switch Two, basically. But I, yeah, Switch I Two. Uh, but yeah, so then like Switch, the other I think the other issue I had with the Switch is that you know it's it's uh, it's it has its own eShop thing, mm-hmm. and it's you know it's obviously it's separate from like Steam or whatever else, Just and so like library. I've got. Yeah, so I've got hundreds of games in my Steam library. I got like uh, Xbox Game Pass where I've just got hundreds of games that I can access there. Uh, and then I go on to the Switch and I don't have anything, right? And so any games I want to play, I've got to buy again, if, even if I already have it somewhere else. Um, like or the game, game that I, Pass on your deck? Uh, I don't know. Well, people can I'm sure you can kind of do has. anything on the deck. That's true. It's so, just kind of a PC, essentially. It's a, it's a yeah. Linux PC, right? 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. But it does a bunch of emulation stuff. It's, yeah. it's kind of wild. Um, yeah. So, so I was like, well, I want to be able to, to play some games away from the computer, you know, like in a different room or like when traveling it's very or fun. Yeah. whatever, you know? Um, and, and I was like, well, Steam Deck is 20% off. Let's go. You know? So I, I ordered the thing and no regrets so far. It's, uh, it's fantastic. I've been playing like Monster Train, uh, which is amazing. Borderlands 2 runs great on it. So there's a couple of, of couple of like warnings that I've come across, like, like caveats to the thing, which is that it has your whole Steam library. Um, and you, there may even be games that you, that you know have controller support. So like I wanted to play Dragon Age Origins, which is from mm-hmm. 2009. And it does have controller support. Um, but the, but somehow or another, the game just does, it just does not recognize the steam decks controller inputs. And you could go in and, and remap, you can actually remap all of the buttons on the steam deck as keyboard inputs. Hmm. So it, you, it's just a plays like a controller, but then it's like, you can map things from the game. But, um, but of course the problem there is like, there's way more buttons on a keyboard than there are on a controller and many games just don't have enough you know, enough keys. Um, but yeah, so it's like, there's, there's some stuff that's older, that's like less robust or less able to kind of adapt. But most of the newer stuff that I played that is, that is listed with controller support, um, on steam or with full controller support, you just boot it up and cool. Just go. Uh, so I could play Slay the Spire, Borderlands 2, obviously level head, you know, crash. It's like all of our games work perfectly on it. Uh, so, uh, would recommend 10 out of 10. Nailed it. Yeah. And, and it's a nice replacement for like, if you have a bedtime habit of like scrolling TikTok or Twitter or something like that before bed, uh, just get a steam deck instead, you know, yeah, no doom just play some, play, play some, some monster games. train before bed. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, I mean, that's uh, what I was debating it. Cause like, I actually just don't play games almost at all because like my, my gaming rig is my work rig. Yeah. And what you, you don't work, you get the hell out of there. Yeah. yeah. Like in the evenings now, like I just really like laying on the couch with a cat, you know? And, yeah. but it's really hard. Like yeah. as soon as you lay down, there's like nothing you can do. Like I, I still want to work on stuff, but like I can't work on a laptop while I'm prone, yeah. you know? Uh, and, but you could play a Steam Deck. I could play a Steam Deck. Yeah. So it's been, it's been, it's been pretty great. Um, yeah. And I'll, I'll, if I find any games that are like particularly good on the Steam Deck, I will recommend this. Well, one thing that I will, Note is that a lot of games that are like uh, PC first or console first don't necessarily uh, display that well on the Steam Deck because if it, because of just like font sizes and stuff mm, like that. You, like yeah. if something is thought to be played at a 27 inch screen, yep, yep. then there's no regard to how small the text is. But then when yep. you put it on a tiny screen, I mean, I already find can't see shit. A lot <laughs> of those games to be a problem on my on my 27 inch monitor, you yeah. know, or whatever it is. Because I don't know what it is about AAA, but they're just like we assume that everybody who's playing these games has like the eyes of a twelve-year-old or something. Mm-hmm. Like you can just see everything. Or just it's not going to be is a an eagle. You or know? is an eagle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm yeah, always there's some up games size like a, like three thousand percent. You know, so I can just easily yeah. read everything. Yeah, or or like games that kind of require on like um, um, hovering over things with the mouse to get like context information, which you don't you yes. don't have a mouse like an RTS. Yeah. Um, so like I wanted to play Divinity Original Sin, Divinity Two Original Sin. Oh yeah, that would be a lot. I feel like. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, it'd be so good. And then I'm just sitting there, I'm like holding the the deck like two inches from my face, squinting. <laughs> right. What the fuck does this say? Uh, yeah, so I think, you know, games Which is that a are, reminder out there for anybody listening who's making games. Uh, just font let, let that font size go up. It's, it's kind of one of the funny things is like people people will see a game that has like easy to read stuff and like has really big text and they'll be like, oh, it's a mobile game because like as if it's designed for small screens. Like, no, it's a readable it's game. It's readable though. It people like need to be able to read shit and, you know. Like, well, honestly, like even if you're playing on a console, you know, it, it's like the, the TV is like six feet away from you or, or more. Right. And so like, even if you have a big TV, yeah. yeah, the field of view that, that the TV represents is yeah, actually not be that small. much more than like what a Steam Deck has when it's a foot. I will, from you, yeah, right? I will also say if your game has a cursor, allow the cursor size to get bigger, too. Yeah. So it's playing, playing Diablo 4. And man, when stuff really starts popping off of that game, you can't, can't find your shit. fucking cursor. And that's like, that's where you're trying to go, right? And so, uh, but they do, they have a setting that lets you 
you could blast it. I think mine's like four four X. It's like a big chonky guy. Yeah, I cranked everything up. It's on so much easier to see once you really. I actually have noticed that recently, which I feel like is new. Although I don't play games that Definitely much, so it's not. hard to say. But I feel like it's new that now every time I booted up a new title, a new a new AAA title, I'm actually confronted with. A series it, of settings options related to basically accessibility. So mm -hmm. whether that's difficulty levels uh, or just like how the game is going to work, how, like the screen sizes of things, it's whether the it's equivalent of, all that stuff. It's essentially a walkthrough of what you do when you're doing gaming on a PC, which is like on a PC, yeah. you boot up the game, first thing everybody does. Yeah, your classic PC player. Go to yeah. settings, right? Uh, yep. So in, in all in consoles now and also increasingly even on like in the mobile space, if you if it's like a not like a necessarily free to play game, but um, maybe a subscription game or something like that. Then yeah, when you first boot, it'll just it mm -hmm. just gives you basically the accessibility settings in order, which kind of makes sense because it's like I love okay, that. yeah, that's what it should that's what it should yeah. be, you know. Yeah, well, where you just get to for that too. Yeah, because and I think also like because usually like we're used to the idea, and I remember we were, I had a discussion for original Crashlands and even for Levelhead to an extent because because actually Levelhead's a good example because Levelhead has different difficulty settings because you can slow things down to make it easier to play, right? And I can't remember what we ended up doing for that, but but at the time it wasn't very common for people mm -hmm. to be presented with basic accessibility options, and so I'm pretty sure we talked about doing that, but we're just like that's going to weird people out and like feel bad, you know. And mm -hmm. so I don't think we did that actually, but that we did that, a thing where I think it's like if you die a bunch of times or something. Then yeah, we I think we tried to prompt. detect if maybe you need it to be easier, you know. But yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, we just we just message or like we popped a thing up that just like reminds or lets people know that they can adjust some things in the settings just in case. Because yes. like yeah, like mm -hmm. you're saying, PC gamers just the settings page is the main menu. Like you <laughs> yeah. boot the game into the settings page and then you go on to the rest of the game. But for mobile gamers or console gamers, they're more accustomed to things are just kind of set up to work on the device. Yeah, but I think usually. also for newer generations of players too. Um, that they're being raised on games that just are have accessibility more front and center in the first place. Yeah. Um, but also they're being raised on non-PC, like like PC gamers yes. as like a group, you know? Like it's not shrinking by any stretch, right? But like people are spending way more time on their phones mm -hmm. and iPads and things, right, today growing up than on PCs. Um, yeah. And so they're just not exposed to the same stuff. So like... The habit that we have of like going into the settings and configuring stuff instantly started when we were in fucking like middle school, you yeah. know, with like Diablo on our like weird ass ancient computer that had, you know, nothing going on. And we had to like make I sure the know. settings would let days, us play, you know? In those days, I feel like games barely had any settings and it wasn't really until they did, like but it still the, mattered a lot because like yeah, the performance you'd at least changed the resolution usually yeah you know what i mean somehow the resolution was always wrong I don't, yeah it was always wrong exactly yeah. why. well no because because <laughs> like diablo 2 didn't have resolution options until the uh expansion yeah, came out destruction yeah yeah it was it was like six or it was six forty by four eighty, and then yeah. LOD added a, a a single a singular setting to change it to eight hundred by six hundred, mm. uh, as a, 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 always in a four by three aspect ratio. The, the, even like the concept of making a game that could adjust to aspect ratios <laughs> like did, literally didn't exist because every computer monitor and TV screen was four by three for like ten years, right? Mm -hmm. And then suddenly widescreen starts to appear, you know. TVs and computer monitors. So yeah, I mean, like these things kind of, and also like as uh, as graphics cards become more capable, right? The ceiling of settings keeps going up, but the floor stays the same, right? Yeah. So like the you can always like, still reduce. A potato, you know? The floor is still everything yeah, really, like eight pixels on screen at a time, you know. Uh, and so like you can always like as as I think more technological capability has been built in then you just need more and more switches to flip off, you know? Uh, so it's it's expanding over time. But yeah, like you're saying, people who play on iPads just don't, they aren't really accustomed to that, right? Yeah, you, so, don't, you just don't need to. Like you don't need uh, to go into deal with that. But yeah, something else that's pretty cool about Steam Deck is, um, as I was, I looked into the Steam Deck, uh, there's a Steam Deck subreddit because, you know, there's a subreddit for everything. Uh, I was like, oh, I just want to like, before I buy this thing, I want to see like, what are people talking about? Um, are there... You know, because like I didn't know about like the the Joy-Con drift right, problem yeah. that Switch was having until like after I got my Switch, I was like, oh crap, you know. Um, so I was just in there, kind of lurking and reading about what people are talking about with the Steam Deck. And one of the interesting things was people commenting about like a lot of AAA games or like way more intense story-driven games, all that stuff. Um, don't play as well 
on the Steam Deck because it's hard to read stuff. You got limited uh, battery life and, you know, like there's just like way too many buttons and configurations and it's just really hard to like get the game up and running easily. Um, but most indie games don't have this problem, right? Mm-hmm. So if you want to play like Terraria or, you know, Monster Train or Slay the Spire, probably Stardew Valley. I haven't played Stardew Valley yet, but I'm assuming. True, you know, there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so like there's all these games that are like uh, more like sim- simpler art. They're more colorful. They have simpler control scheme. They're still super engaging and they have like, you know, dozens and dozens of, of hours of gameplay in them. Um, but that's kind of like the market for the Steam Deck is like mm-hmm. these games play great on it. And it's kind of interesting because like you got people who are like PC gamers who are really into these high-end AAA games and like they have their big gaming rig. And then they get the Steam Deck. And then they end up getting like pushed over into the indie space because it's just like kind of two separate markets of like what works well on on the different devices. Um, and so it's kind of been cool to read through some of those threads and, and people like discovering all these indie games that they just kind of like overlooked mm-hmm. when they were on a bigger on a bigger screen or a more powerful computer and realizing like, Hey, these games are actually like fucking great. <laughs> yeah. I was actually, I was thinking so, about this. Cause again, like I, I just haven't played games that much, but I was browsing through the steam summer sale titles, you know, and there's so much interesting looking stuff coming out. That oh yeah. I was just, great. I was yeah. thinking the whole time I was like, even though like, I, even though I don't play games that much, every time I do, I'm like looking through like all the different things. I don't have a lot of strong opinions about like the kind of game I should play or whatever. Right. But, and I, but I was imagining like being the person who's like, I play this one game or I play this one genre of game or whatever, where you then see all this other really interesting stuff and just fucking ignore it. You know, just mm-hmm. like your eyes just zip past it. Like how much it's, you're just missing so much. I think it's really cool that the, something like the Steam Deck basically creates an incentive for people to actually get outside of their normal experiences and see like, oh my God, there's like, there's this really cool amazing world of and not even just like small indies but just like the whole gamut of kinds of games um yeah otherwise. just like games that are like um you know simpler and and more like colorful right mm-hmm. like they just it just works much better if you have a, a very like monochromatic game or like a gritty kind of a game with like lots of small text and stuff like that, it just it just doesn't it's hard to pull off it, on it a feels wrong on like yeah. a small device you know and i think that's why it's something like tears of the kingdom uh, or like the mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild works so well on the Switch is because they have that simpler um, art style and super vibrant colors, you know? And they had to because they designed it yep. for the Switch that has a... What's, the, what's yeah, the resolution on the Switch? Like it's... I think it's similar. I think it's like 1280 by something like that. 720 or something like that. Yeah. Um, the Steam Deck is actually 16 by 10. It's 1280 by 800. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not even it's not even HD. And again, like if you get, if you get a, a, a AAA game and you cut down the number of pixels by a quarter right, <laughs> or more or a third or whatever, then yeah, like the text just gets real crunchy. Yeah, because it's, can't it's really designed it. to be seen, right, with with that full resolution yeah. and all that stuff. So, so big big recommend on the, on the Steam Deck. Um, oh, and also, uh, so there's, there's multiple tiers of it um, and they also have like different levels of storage, but also you can get a, you can buy it just like a micro SD card. You know, you can get like a terabyte as micro SD card for I don't know how much like 30 bucks or something probably. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it just, it just has an SD card slot. So you can just store just like as storage. many games. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it and you can just download like everything from your steam library. Um, so uh, very cool. All right. So I'm last bit of it. news in the, in, in the, in the world of tech, let's talk about Twitter. Hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> so last week we did have a question about Twitter or about like uh, the downfall of oh, yeah. Twitter and Meta and, you know, whatever. And at the time we were like, Twitter will keep existing, you know, it's not necessarily going to die. It'll, you know, get absorbed or whatever. Um, what, we didn't, what we didn't forecast was, <laughs> was well, basically what just happened uh, this past week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you guys want yeah, to tell the story? Well, yeah, I guess yeah, well, there's a series of things that happened. The rate limiting thing was after our podcast yeah. right yes yeah. so which is the weirdest thing so basically anytime you're serving up these api calls we talk about we talk about reddit and their api service calls problem and anytime you're serving up api calls you're basically feeding data to what well, it could be your own service could be whatever but essentially twitter decided to do what's called rate limiting which is to say that okay for any given person for any given ip address or whatever that we're sending this data to we're only going to send 
we're only going to allow like 600 requests to the Twitter API, for example. So, per day. Yeah, so per day. The, meaning what they, what they meaning doing, like you could see 600 posts, right? Yeah. Before you hit the rate limit. Which is wild for all I think 600 tweets is something like nine minutes of if you yeah, if like you just like scrolled through a scrolling yeah like if that. you just like scrolled through a feed and just read each tweet yeah it'd take you like ten minutes yeah and so it's yeah. like a lot of the most engaged users on these platforms are on them for far more than like hours it's, a day. they're just on it all day all day <laughs> so they do this rate limiting thing and then on top of that it was like what they bumped it up if you were paying yeah, or if something you're, if you're in Twitter to blue six thousand or six thousand. Post. Yeah, yeah. It's so just you, get like, like, you get like an hour and a half or something. Yeah. Which is which is like enough for the vast majority of people, definitely, right? And like in 600 is enough for like the casual Twitter user who like checks it once a day, right? Um, like you would never hit that if you're just like checking in the latest stuff, seeing if there's anything interesting and then leaving, right? Right. Yeah. But, but it's not enough for advertisers who no. – the whole the whole point is like, as many views as possible, right? To get yeah, to get those ads yeah. worthwhile. And what a uh, what a dumb, just the dumbest. Well, so, so there's a lot of speculation about wh- why the fuck this even happened. Well, it's also um, unclear if actually like they just broke something and then needed to yeah because the, the speculation is that yeah because uh, also Elon Musk is a you know chronic liar and uh, and also is. Very has a very strong. Uh, what's, what's the word? He has a very weak sense of self, right? So, like if anything that implies he may have done a bad job, like hurts his his ego enormously, right? So, his entire life is basically one big ego protection mechanism, you know. So, mm-hmm. so it's unclear if like because his he was trying to he was trying to spin this whole thing as like this all makes sense. Here's all the reasons why, right? But it wasn't clear if because that already didn't make sense, even if it was true. Yeah, strategically, right. it makes no sense. Just strategically, it's just be dumb. like, well, yeah, our co- our whole business model is get as many views as possible, then sell to advertisers, and then you mm-hmm. turn around and say, but what if we intentionally got as few views as possible? Yes. Hmm? Mm-hmm. What yeah. about that? <laughs> yep. Not not great for your your core business, mm-hmm. I would say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So so what happened too then was was I, I think it was like a month and a half ago or so. They had an uh, Elon Musk had announced that they were going to stop paying rent mm. in in several of their offices. They're just like, yeah, we're going to keep existing there. We're just going to stop paying rent. Um, so so at least one of their offices they got evicted from. Um, which my my assumption is that actually they they wanted to break the lease, but there was some kind of a fire. Maybe it was like oh, a five year lease or something like that. And so he's just like, fine, we'll just stop paying and then force the landlord to evict us instead. Right, mm-hmm. um, and therefore they can get other. That, that's my assumption. Yeah, it still seems kind of, like that's they the could kind just, of shady bullshit. But it just that, seems like they know. could just sue to get that money anyway. So I'm not really sure what. Probably. Um, Although then, then they could know, tie people up in court, and they have an yeah house business. Lawyer, so. uh, business at this level is just rich people throwing lawyers at each other like <laughs> uh, human shields. So, so that happened. But then also uh, last month they announced that they were going to stop paying for their uh, Google Cloud services. So they had like a $300 million a year contract with Google to provide extra servers for, for processing because you know one of the, one of the issues with a, a company like Twitter or whatever is, is they have like a baseline level of activity that's predictable that they can plan for. And then every now and then something happens. It's like and World act- Cup, for example, and it's like, yeah. holy shit. Everything's and on fire. suddenly yeah. everybody's on Twitter and it's like 10x usage for like two days, right? Uh, or some kind of big civil unrest happens in some mm-hmm. country or a, a war breaks out, you know. And like whenever whenever big things happen, people flock to the public square to see what's going on and, and on the internet, that's Twitter, yeah. right? And to its credit, Twitter is – was and – still is the best real-time platform to figure out like what is happening right now yep. right yeah um yeah and so so essentially then they said yeah we're going to stop paying google for the extra slack to be able to accommodate <laughs> you know all this stuff because the idea is like if if twitter has its own servers and then if their usage spikes beyond some certain amount they can offload some of that extra processing to these uh these contracted servers that other companies run right um so so they just said like, yeah, we're just not going to pay that bill anymore. Well, that expired right right at the end of the month. Expired on June thirtieth, um, which is right at the time where they where they announced that they were going to start rate limiting views of tweets. Right, mm-hmm. and so so the assumption there was that they had 
they had miscalculated something and then discovered that actually their servers couldn't handle the traffic once their Google Cloud contract expired and that they put their own rate limit on. However, there was a third thing that happened, (laughs) which was that people discovered that uh, some code had gotten into production Mm -hmm. on Twitter servers where whenever an API call was made, um, it, it essentially fired off a series of API requests to Twitter, essentially resulting in like an up to like 10x uh, burden on the compute of the server. Unnecessary calls, basically. Just unne- Yeah, and, and, it, and it just kept happening like over and over and over again. And the, uh, the kind of like lightweight technical explanation of, of this is that normally like if you need to request something from a website, uh, you don't always get it back. And so when you're doing those requests, you'll build in like a repeat request where you can like ping the the server again and be like, did you get it now? Mm -hmm. And you do – what's that called, Adam? It's like an exponential drop off or something. Exponential back off, yeah. So it's like you you make the request and if it comes – and so usually what you're doing is you make the request and then if it times out, meaning the server just doesn't respond or if the server replies back and says, hey, you're surpassed rate limits or hey, something's wrong right now or whatever, right? Just a general class of kinds of errors – um, then, then on the client side, like in your browser or the app or whatever, then the, that thing has to be like, okay, so that didn't, all I know is that didn't work. Right. So what yep. do I do? And there's tons of strategies you can take for what to do. It could be as simple as just like, if it, like the older days of Twitter, there was just the fail whale, right. Where the little whale would show up and be like, I don't know, something's wrong. And then you would just have to like, try to refresh it. And you're yeah, basically you send off manually, one request. Yeah. You're kind of manually work, attempting to refresh it. Right. Uh, more modern approaches are basically to say, okay, well, the client can just keep on making requests, right? So just try again. But, but if you fuck bit. up that logic, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, the way to do seconds. this safely yeah. is to say is an exponential back off. It doesn't have to be exponential. That's just kind of the general thing, right? But the idea is you try the request. If it fails, you wait, try it again. If it fails again, you wait a little longer. And then you just keep on waiting longer between each one until at some point you might just fully give up. But you typically don't need to though, because at that point you're just like waiting, mm-hmm. you know, two minutes between calls or what whatever. The reason. So what's the reason for that though? Because that, that's yeah. Because the reason the is key. that if you don't do that, then you're basically converting what would have been one request that failed, right? But but if that if that request had succeeded, it would have been one request, right? So your whole system is tailored towards that level of traffic. Your server's still getting those requests. It has right. to do something. With it, it has to do something, right? So you still have to deal with the request, even if you're answering. And it's like rate limiting isn't preventing the person from talking to the server. It's you get their request and then you respond. Any you still respond. The whole thing is still happening. Your response is just fuck you, buddy. No. Right? Yeah. Your response is stop. <laughs> just leave quit. me alone. Yeah, but, yeah. You, still but you still had to, to respond. You still had to do yeah. all that, all of that stuff, right? And you have to respond to every. Re- request. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This this this, yeah. this is how denial of service attacks work is that you get a, a huge number a much larger number of requests than usual that don't have to be good requests. They don't have to be valid, they, but the server still has to capture them and then process them and then do something, right? Yeah. This is a this is the term the DDoS attack, yeah. which is distributed, distributed denial of service, denial right? service, which is just lots of people sending or or one person who has uh, lots of a machine, lots of computers yeah. or bots or whatever. Uh, just sending a, just a huge volume of requests to a server, which like Adam was saying, they don't have to be meaningful requests. It just forces the server to figure them out and deal with them and send something yeah. back, which then just clogs up the pipes, yeah. right? And then like other people can't use the service yeah, because it uses it, just, it uses the compute resources of the servers, right? So it just it just it start you start to build up a queue, and then eventually the whole thing falls over because it can't process stuff fast enough. The so, reason this is so useful then though is like in the case of an outage, say you have like and that, you know, a hundred people who, for whatever reason, can't like they they try to make a Twitter API call and nothing, they get this non-response back. If it's the case that everybody just immediately resends and resends and resends and resends that request, you essentially end up building up this bottleneck of traffic that emulates a DDoS attack, even with a very few because it converts people. what would have been one request into one request like per whatever <laughs> the time is that it takes to go back and forth to the server, which is usually on the order of like 100 milliseconds, right? So yeah. you're converting one request into 10 requests per second. And this is also why in uh, in games, let's say uh, I was playing Diablo last week, I think, and their login servers went down for a short time from a DDoS attack. But the, the thing that's always frustrating about that, and you see people talk about it, is that it's actually, it would be possible for everybody to get into the game faster 
if somehow you could get people to stop trying to log in while yeah. this is happening, <laughs> yep. right? Yeah. The thing, so you it's suddenly a, it's get- It's a tragedy of the comments. Yeah, right? you usually get this basically this distributed wave of people, like maybe you have a hundred people say log in over an hour. And instead, uh, now all those people who are online get kicked off and then all of them are trying to log back in right now. And so yep. you end up doing that also. It's not just the fact that you get like this 10X from a person, but rather you take this population behavior that usually is spread out over time and you just collapse it into a mm-hmm. moment and spike this sin, right? And so, yeah, and, you, and you'll you'll see comments from the or, or news posts from game companies, and they'll say stuff like, "Our authentication servers are down," right? Yes. And it's because you know you, you might be asking like, "Well, if they can have ten million people playing the game at the same time, how come they can't handle ten million people logging in?" Mm-hmm. Right? And it's like, well. Because normally 10 million people don't log in simultaneously. Yes. They log in over time and that happens on a different server and then they get handed off to the game client servers of which there are many more and they're configured differently and they can handle 10 million people already being in the game Mm -hmm. at the same time. They can't handle 10 million people hitting their login service. Which is also why you can get the reverse too, right? Where you're like, you're able to log in, but then you can't do shit. (laughs) Then you get kicked out of the server or like there's the gameplay is really slow or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So these are all like different services and stuff. So what ended up happening then with with Twitter was that, was that it's like when it comes to this idea of the, uh, the rate limits and all that stuff, that's usually something you have to worry about as a third party developer. So like if, if we were making something that was going to talk to Twitter's API, um, then we would want to build our own exponential backoff protocols and stuff like that so that we ourselves don't get hit by rate limits and you know, all of that. Um, well, what ended up happening with Twitter was that they themselves added some code into production where when they mm-hmm. when their own site was requesting tweets to display to users, those requests were DDoSing themselves. Like they, mm-hmm. like they were end up making like dozens and dozens of requests to try to show a single tweet. Um, well, it wasn't just rate. their own thing because also they, it was the the embedded tweets, right? embedded tweets. Yeah, embedded so like tweets if you go to a news article, like have their own logic for doing it. Yeah, so so because they also temporarily, I believe, um, blocked public access to Twitter so that you had yeah. to be logged in. But that meant that everywhere, like. Because people embed tweets everywhere. They have for a decade, right? So like that meant that every time yeah, I saw, I saw a news a article page, that linked to it, well, yeah. and it was just the tweet just wouldn't show because yep. I yep. wasn't – I'm not logged into Twitter. Yeah, but depending <laughs> on the logic of that of that little widget that was showing the tweet, either it would fail once and be done, right? Uh, or it would do the same thing where it would fail the first time try. and then try again, right? And so you can't <laughs> just sudden – like this is one of those things like you can't – so, I, so like they're treating this like a like Elon's treating this like a startup, right? With like, but also like in the dumbest way you could handle a startup, right? But like the fact is you can't Just, if the, if this tech is already out there, right? If there's already stuff talking to your system and all that. You can't just decide on a whim. I'm going to completely change like the rules to how things talk to my server. I'm going to rate limit everything and just and there's going to be no forewarning. Yeah, just it doesn't all of work. a sudden, is, boom. It's one of the, it's yeah. it's the most it's it's the thing that at least to me it makes web development the most difficult, like as difficult as it is, is the fact that you do not get to prevent people from trying to talk to your server. There's no yeah. way. It cannot be done, right? People can try to talk to your server and that cannot be stopped, right? So so given that fact, everything you do is like is sort of starts with that premise, which is given that literally anybody at any moment can attempt to make my my computer on the internet do something, right? How do I code things up both on my server, but also you don't get to control those clients out in the world? Because even if it was the case that Twitter hadn't done this to themselves, the moment that they that they applied like, oh, you have to be logged in or, oh, there's a strong rate limit now. If all the other things that were out there weren't coded up to handle that, the end effect would have been a DDoS attack anyway, yeah. right? right? Because, and especially if you're coding against Twitter, right? Because like, why go through the extra effort if you're just like some random person like coding something up to show a tweet, right? Why go through the extra effort to like work through the logic of an exponential backoff and blah, 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 if you're if you're programming against what you've perceived to be a super reliable yeah, public well API that's like yeah. really well yeah. engineered and like you, you just, you just embed the, just you put just the embed, embed it, you don't worry about it, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's, so of course that's the, cause I, and I think about this stuff with like, we opened up the API for level head and stuff too, right? Like most of what I had to do was not, how do I make this 
functional and provide people with the cool like API endpoints that make it so they can do yeah, stuff. That's like the first 5%. The, yeah, that's the easy part. <laughs> yeah, the hard part was, okay, given that now people can talk to this from anywhere, which they already could, right? But but given that, that now I'm actually giving them instructions on how to talk from anywhere, what are all of the possible outcomes and ways that this could go bad and how do I defensively program around that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, so then in response now, so that the final thing is that Facebook launched this competitor called Threads. Just two days ago. It's just Twitter. You know what I mean? It's just Twitter. Um, But I do want to say that I think they're, so one, timing is great, right? It was exactly the right time to launch it. Perfect moment. I don't know if they they were just, they had to be just sitting on this. Yeah. yeah, They were clearly like waiting and and there's some, there's still some core missing features that they might have been planning to have before they launched, but but it, it looks like what happened was they accurately recognized that this was the time to strike as long as their product could stand it on its own well enough, right? Yep. Um, yep. It's possible that like as soon as Elon bought Twitter, they were like, okay, this we got to get something yep. under – and they just started developing yep. some p- possible competitor. <laughs> well, I think the, the funniest part, I guess the most clever thing to me um, was that my, my wife was looking at the story and she told me that they basically – allow you to link you're essentially linking your Instagram account over. Oh yeah, it's to, it's actually part it's an Instagram product. So the only yeah, way to log into it is you log in through Instagram and it's just right. part of your Instagram account. Yep. And so on the face of it, so you know, you might be saying like, well, well, you know, I don't have an Instagram account or, you know, I, I don't really have an interest in having that also. But the huge key here is that they get to skip a step in social network building, which is that the biggest problem and stuff you see is like Mastodon, anybody who's trying to compete with Twitter currently is basically migration of your following from Twitter to the new platform. Even if even if it's the case that the new platform is better, more reliable, whatever else, if most of the people who follow you are still over on Twitter, you're not going to be able to make the jump because the whole point is the connectivity, right? Yep. So with Threads, what they did then is they essentially take your Instagram followers and mm-hmm. if they sign up for Threads, you automatically have them as a follower. So basically it just it just dupes your followers, right? Yeah. So it, it's so not you're still whole not recreate getting a whole Twitter, network. but yeah, but you don't you're not starting from nothing. Yeah. yeah. And so for a lot of people whose whole things are on either either Twitter or Instagram or both, like a lot of these people who you know produce a huge volume of content in those spaces. Oh yeah, they're um, on have, both, definitely. They're yeah. on both, right? And so it's like you you actually have the ability to tr- to just bootstrap a whole connected network. You get the network effect in a huge, at least a great starting point. And like, yeah, it's not your Twitter following, but like they had 30 million users in the first 12 hours or 10 no or day or something. Shit. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. 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 The first, yeah. The first seven hours they had 10 million users and it just, by the next day it was already 30 minutes. It's, it's, yeah. it's been three days. Presumably they're over like well over hundred million already. Right. But it's basically because everybody was, was, everybody's been wanting to flee Twitter anyway, but, and they've been looking for places to go. And there's been like a new Twitter clone popping up every week. You know, uh, I've tried all of them that, just to see. The network you know. effect problem every time. I just love the idea of everybody being like, oh, I'm so tired of like all the unethical shit going on at Twitter. I know. Blah, we, blah, yeah, blah. If the only there was pan, a, you know? if only there was a competitor. Oh, thank you, Facebook, for providing <laughs> me with an alternative. It's like, what is it? I mean, Come on. There's, just, there's a variety of things. Yeah. There's still other problems there. Sure. But I think as far as hitting that downfall stuff it's the we talked about last shit. week, it's pretty great. Pretty but but what, great. I mean, ultimately, I think to me what this says is like, what people really want is just a reliable product. Yeah, yeah. maybe well, it's they, covered they in they Nazis it, and stuff. Want, but like, that's true. <laughs> everywhere. They want it without the Nazis, actually, right? Because <laughs> yeah, they do. Because it's not even that. It's not even just that Elon has like fucked the infrastructure of Twitter to make it an unreliable product, which is true. He's done that, right? But the main thing is that he's made it openly welcome to the worst people. Like that's yeah, like he's been part the of cultural brain, right? infrastructure of the product. Yeah, and also openly hostile towards towards all well, every oppressed group yeah. in the universe, right? And and very Not a great open. business move. It's just a terrible, <laughs> yeah. Which means that basically, like what everybody's been doing is like, and already like Twitter was already a toxic as fuck place in the first place because it like. Sure, Elon's done a terrible job with it, but Twitter was not a good product before that. Like it was the best. It of wasn't its a type good company there, either. Right? Like, yeah, like it wasn't no. making profit. You know, like, they, none of these are good. None, none of these are great. They're, they're all doing lar- largely doing harm. You know, <laughs> more, more so than good. Um, but uh, but yeah, so, pe- so people have been trying to figure out how to like. Okay, it's like Elon took over and it was like, hey, Nazi paradise, right? So everyone's like, okay, how do we escape Nazi paradise so that I can just like talk about stuff without everything I say causing all the blue check marks to come in and Attacking. say the most vile things in the universe, right? Um, and uh, and so people have been trying to flee Twitter, right? 
but because of that network effect and so because hard. the scale problem, right? Like, like Twitter has evolved over more than a decade. I think they were launched in 2008 or something, right? So like there's very few years. other engineering companies who could basically show up and know how to handle. Yeah. That it's it's literally the other giants. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. you have all these like smaller, there was, there was like Hive and there's mm-hmm. Blue Sky and there's like, there's a whole, and there's Mastodon. Just Mastodon. There's, there's this army of things, right? But none of them could come in and just immediately offer the scale and the network effect and they couldn't migrate stuff over. Right. Yeah. Um, and so people kept on like going to one platform and then it would hit some scale tipping point where like wouldn't work that well anymore or they there would be st- stuff they didn't like about it enough or, or you'd just be out there for a while and you're like man i don't have the like seventy thousand people that i had yeah i can't i can't actually tell what's going on so you still like are <laughs> on twitter and then the new one comes up and be like oh maybe this is the one right and so like the ever since elon took over like there's been just been this sequence of these um but it wasn't until this moment that was the perfect storm of like facebook being ready to deploy something at scale um, that is just a Twitter clone, right? Um, yes. So they didn't do anything interesting. They were just like, blam, here's your Twitter clone, right? Which is what people wanted. They didn't want anything new and interesting. They just were like, I want Twitter, but with without the Nazis. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, and like the fact I is- Twitter, but without Nazis, Facebook is like, well, I mean- uh, We can- I think, <laughs> I think yeah. we can squeeze that one We'll start it off maybe. without the Nazis, right? Because they at least like- like Zuckerberg on there did did make multiple posts about because like, Zuckerberg is still on the Nazi end of the spectrum, right? But not like not nearly as far over there as as your Musk's are. Yeah, but he's he's well, one of those like enlightened centrist idiots, right? Where he's like, I don't know both sides, right? So there's gonna be <laughs> like, that's where that's where this stuff. The one is side be wants to kill everyone, and the other doesn't. You know, so they're pretty much they're just Can't like two sides of the nice same coin. Yeah, listen, all I know is that. I hope that this does turn into the Rome Colosseum battle between these two fools. Mm-hmm. Because that, if that could be the... Oh, you mean the, the actual, like, cage match where they're going to yeah! actually fight each other? Yeah. Compared to they joked about it a little bit, and I feel like maybe Elon's no, that, you know? No. Nah. I, I, I heard it. I heard there's a long interview with Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> um, on the Lex Friedman podcast where he talks a lot about jujitsu and stuff and about like that it's good to be humbled by getting your ass kicked by somebody half your size, you know? Mm-hmm. But I don't think Elon understands that. You no, know? He so I don't think, I don't no. think he would, I don't think he would sign up to, uh, Elon's to, kind to of be in guy. any situation where he could publicly lose. Do you, you guys know? remember that for a while there was that thing around where it was like, here's this, this like chart of these various kinds of animals and the proportion of people who thought they could take them on in a fight. Right. Yeah. Mm. Do you remember that thing? Yeah. It was like, I, and, oh, and then, man. and then the, and the disparity between men and women, um, and I think, and people in different countries and as well. Countries. And I think, like Elon is the kind of guy who would say, like, yes, I could take on any of these animals, right? He's I could like, take on an elephant, a yeah. moose. Yeah, having presumably never even exercised, you know, but like that's the kind of brain he has. So I could definitely see him. I'm confident that I could not defeat any animal in a fight, except except an animal that is somewhat slower moving that I could step on. I think yeah. that's because like as soon as we're talking like a cat, which like okay, it's like ten pounds, so yeah, but if I you, do if have I do have cat, the size advantage. But if you've seen a cat fuck something up though, whew, oh boy, a cat in full in full force, it's just Terrifying. it's just its hands are just covered in knives. <laughs> I don't have, and, and its face is full fast. of knives. And you might They're say fast. yourself, I mean, maybe, okay, maybe I can get myself a turtle. Have you been bitten by a turtle? That take your, hurts. Don't take, take your, your digits off. right off. Yeah. Take a chunk yeah. out. Take your nose and off. Armored. And if you have no weapons, man, like, yeah, yeah. All, all these animals, they come armored and armed and ready to go. <laughs> and like, I'm soft. I'm soft and squishy yeah. and I'm sweaty. Ugh. Mm, I'm Not confident good. I could take like a mouse. It would probably bite me first, but then I could grab it and throw it, you know? So like, that's true. Anybody, yeah, I think anybody who's confident about fighting animals, I think you just put them next to a Canadian goose and see what happens. Because I yep. think- it is. It is a matter of confidence. This, where those fuckers, like, yeah, it weighs like probably I don't know, fifteen, twenty pounds. Maybe. You could, yeah. and it's made of like bird bones. It's not yeah. a challenger. It has no weapons, but like, yeah, it's like the ferocity. A, yeah, from a sheer strength perspective, yes. like, yeah, you could strangle a goose. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, but it's not going to adhere to kickboxing kick rules. To hurt you know? yeah. yeah, but like that requires that once it starts going after you, you can maintain the wherewithal to defend yourself. <laughs> And that you can do so with enough accuracy while you are being like, because like if you've seen a goose attack something, it's a flurry of wings and noise, right? <laughs> yeah, like and, and honking. Yeah. And, yeah, you just don't know yeah. what's happening. So, <laughs> uh, 
I don't know. Yeah. You, I think it's you get like humbled a, by a goose. You get humbled real good yeah. in the animal kingdom, you know? That's right. But, but the thing is, like, I wouldn't be humbled by a goose because I expect to lose to a goose. <laughs> yeah. I, I already have that humility baked into if my I, Even if I lost psyche. to a mouse, I'd be like, well, I mean, it is an animal. You know it's I mean? an animal. Yeah. Like, and I'm just a... Squishy yeah. meat bag. My my species so. has, has been evolving for tens of thousands of years to use tools because we're to so explicitly not deal with this kind of bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To think that I just could is just so stupid. Just I I, I would lose. I, 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 but I'm also confident that I would lose any fight against a person. Also, oh yeah, definitely. Like, yep. Just anything that would require me to like inflict violence, I think I would probably not win in mm-hmm. that scenario. So, well, what are you gonna do? Uh, all right. Well, I think that's I think that's kind of everything for this week. Uh, we kind of ran out of time for questions, so we'll have to see. Uh, we'll have to see about next week. So we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Sampa DaCosta, for putting the podcast together, and thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. And as always, please head over to uh, Steam. And give Crashlands 2 a wish list if you haven't done so already. It helps us out a lot, and uh, we would appreciate it. So thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.